electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I do want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We are all so trapped in the idea that the Federal Reserve rules the business world. We forget that the people who actually run businesses won't just roll over and root for a slower economy. They won't give up. They keep trying to win for you, the shareholder, come hell or high water. Maybe that's why I like them so much. Maybe that's why I like business so much. All that hard work was on display today. Yet today we saw what happens when you take the Fed out of the equation. Remember, they blackout. They can't talk out of me next week. And remember how much money can be made simply by picking regular old stocks. With the Dow gaining 206 points, S&P jumping 1.1%, NASDAQ cramping a remarkable 1.76%. Now, all day, there were headlines explaining that stocks were going up because we got a stronger-than-expected gross domestic product number this morning. That's a classic misdirection play. Just totally wrong. It's stale. It doesn't count. We're in earnings season, for heaven's sake. There are, now, there are a lot of snap judgments to be made, and many of them wrong. But stocks did well today because many of them delivered good numbers. So with no Federal Reserve officials popping off with their dogma about how the economy must be destroyed, we got a chance to see what stocks look like when the underlying companies that are run well give us their report cards. So why don't we just do this? Let's tick down what you can find in the stock market when you aren't sitting around paralyzed in fear waiting for Fed meeting after Fed meeting before you invest. In other words, let's talk about how you do in quality stocks if you weren't scared out of your wits by worries about a Fed-mandated recession. Let's start with, no, not Elon Musk. Oh, we'll get there eventually. I want to start with Mike Worth, the CEO of Chevron. Mike's been coining money. And he knows who really owns the company. You. 
you, the shareholders. Last night, he announced a $75 billion buyback coupled with a 6% dividend boost, which together sends Chevron stock up nearly 5%. Hey, that's a big move for one of the largest oil companies in the world, but it makes sense that $75 billion buyback would retire more than 20% of the share count. Of course, if there's anything the Biden administration dislikes more than the oil industry, it's stock buybacks. They immediately put out a statement, and I quote, for a company that claimed not long ago that it was working hard to increase oil production, handing out $75 billion to executives and wealthy shareholders sure is an odd way to show it. We continue to call on all oil companies to use the record profits to increase supply and reduce costs to the American people, end quote. Look, I'd love to lower gasoline prices, but Chevron, for heaven's sake, is a business. And it's not the way Rockefeller ran, ran Standard Oil. This is a business, not some kind of public-owned public utility. Plus, Mike Worth has done a tremendous amount behind the scenes trying to work with Washington, which does not care for this, to come up with plans that would get more oil to market. Chevron's also committed... $10 billion to reduce greenhouse gases, including carbon capture. Do you know that the stock actually got dinged when they made that announcement? Because it was so big versus everyone else in the industry. The company's always been growing production. They plan to increase it by 3% this year, which is a gigantic amount. In reality, given the size of what they produce and how expensive it is to drill. While their growth rate declined last year, that was because of some contract expirations in Indonesia and Thailand. Hey, White House, look at the asterisk. If President Biden really wants lower gasoline prices, he needs to cut a deal with the industry and streamline the pipeline construction process. We have tons of oil in this country, but we can't get it all where it's needed because there's so much opposition to pipelines, including from the White House. Singling out Mike Worth when Chevron is deeply committed to growing while so many independents are just returning cash to shareholders by barely growing, it's just unfair and ill-advised. They know nothing! The wealthy shareholders line feels like a cheap shot to me. The biggest shareholders in Chevron are index funds, how regular people invest, and Berkshire Hathaway. Sure, Warren Buffett's one of the richest men on earth, but Berkshire's hardly a byword for corporate greed, and you can own shares in it too. Regardless, Chevron's doing great and wants to do more, and there's no give easier pipeline placement without a get the oil the president wants. Next, how about Tesla? All right, what, what did it do to reserve that 11% rally? And it's been down a lot, I know that. Well, what it did was it beat the numbers big time. Last year, Tesla delivered over 1.3 million cars and achieved an astounding 17% operating margin. Car companies don't usually make anything near that. 12.6 billion in net income in the fourth quarter alone. Now, a few years ago, the short sellers constantly told me that this company was about to run out of money. Wrong cash machine. Brilliantly, Musk recently cut the price of his cars. And what happened? Well, so far in January, they're seeing their strongest orders ever year to date. Orders that are twice the rate of production. Price mattered to customers, but it was also a warning shot to Ford and GM, who might think twice about ramping up electric vehicle production too fast, lest their earnings take a hit because they have to lower prices for what they have now. Okay, and then there's Nucor, the best steel maker in America. Now, when I got in this business, I learned from day one that when the Fed's tightening, you're supposed to short, sell or short every steel company you can find. Hmm, I'm not allowed to trade stocks now, but I sure used to. I shorted Bethlehem Steel when it went to zero. Today, Nucor reported an amazing quarter, although their sale price, the sale prices were actually down. How much they get for steel? They weren't down enough to prevent 2022, though, from being a record year. These were true blowout numbers. 
the opposite of what's supposed to happen at this point in the business cycle. But CEO Leon Topalian, who is on the show later, didn't sit around acting terrified because some Fed gas bag says the economy's too hot and we need more vicious rate hikes immediately. The house of pain. Nope, he runs his business and he's getting ready for all the federal infrastructure money that's going to rain down on Nucor. The hedge fund playbook says he should be running scared right now, but this is a bizarre economy where the old rules just don't apply. You're also supposed to run from retailers at this point in the cycle. Yet the stock of Kramer Fave tractor supply jumped 6% today. How did that happen? Simple. This one's Dowdy store is now run by a real merchant, Hal Lawton, late of Macy's. And he has turned tractor supply into the place for the rural re-rulification. That's a, no, it's a mouthful, but they're trying to make it so that rural areas are doing a lot better than new people of America post-COVID. Most executives were baffled at what to do with so many city dwellers moving to the country. Not Lawton. He added style to the stores. He made it less intimidating than the old feed stores we used to have to go to. Sometimes they made newbies feel unwelcome or even foolish. The House of Pain. Tractor Supply is a welcoming place. Now it's thriving. Hence the tremendous strength in its stock. Hey, okay, how about Salesforce? It's always delivered fantastic software, but it certainly would use some, I think it could use some new blood on the board of directors. That might be coming. We're now hearing from Bloomberg that CEO Mark Benioff is willing to come to terms with the activist investors, maybe even Elliott Management, perhaps including adding some fresh faces to a largely older board. Salesforce stock rallied more than 5% today. It's now up 25% year to date. Finally, I can't think of a worse stock going into a Fed-mandated recession to own, just a total showdown, than the stock of United Rentals. That's a highly levered rental service for, uh, for construction equipment company. But the stock shot up almost 10% today on a better-than-expected quarter that no one was looking on, particularly this, the bears have been betting against it. The legacy playbook of what you're supposed to do in a rate hike cycle has been shredded by these moves. It's very confusing if you're on permanent negative autopilot because you only pay attention to the Fed if you watch individual companies. These moves would be a lot less surprising. Bottom line, I've said over and over again that during earnings season, what matters is companies and the CEOs with the smarts to direct them. Remember today, it's exactly what happens when you're Fed blind and corporate constructive. Michelle in Nevada. Michelle. Hello. Welcome, Jim Kramer from sunny southern Nevada. Hi. Oh, uh, thank you, Michelle. Thank you. You're close to uh, Elon Musk's uh, Giga plant. What's happening? The Giga factory. Yeah, that's, that's northern Nevada, but yeah, we are. Well, I mean, like state, I was speaking more state-wise, but yeah, I hear you. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, I'm a long-time listener, and I appreciate all you do. I feel like I have a stronger financial future because of the way I've educated myself and because of mad money. Thank uh, you so years. much. You got to join the club. The club is the <laughs> next level. I, but go I ahead. need to go. Yeah, I've, I've had a few sweaters. I need to go to the club. So um, I have a small holding of Albertsons, and I've enjoyed a little appreciation there. I watched the headlines right. and did the merger. In fact, I got my dividend last Friday. So, oh, yeah, the uh, special dividend. Congratulations. That's, it was a nice little pocket of money. Um, so with all that, I'm wondering what you think is the future of Albertson. Um, it's done. I mean, I think that, you know, just move on. Uh, you got what you want and you move on. Uh, by the way, I, I have to tell you, I like the stock of Kroger very much. 
I think that uh, Rodney McMullen is doing a terrific job. And I wanted to come back on our show. I think that would be nice because I think he's a gent. Right, I've said it uh, before. I'll say it again. During earnings season, what matters is companies and the CEOs with the smarts to direct them. Remember today, they will keep trying to win for you, the shareholders, from hell or high water. Well, man, tonight, Newport's been firing all cylinders, so what's the secret sauce to this steelmaker's success? I'm checking with the CEO. Then McCormick has lost his spices of late. So what's it going to do to bring the stock back and bring the heat to you? I'm digging into the story with the CEO, and SAP announced that it was exploring its sale of its stake in Qualtrics. So where does the deal stand now, and how is SAP doing? I'm getting answers with the company's top brass, so stay with Kramer! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look at the stock of Nucor go. The best deal maker in America has seen it go run from 102 in late September all the way to just under $170 now, including a monster 8% move today in the wake of what I just can only call a stunning quarter. Even though steel prices have come down from their highs early last year, 
Kramer Fabe, Nucor keeps putting up excellent results. That's not supposed to happen. This time, they've delivered a big revenue beat paired with a magnificent 73 cent earnings beat off a 416 basis. This is all the more impressive because Nucor pre announced a narrow guidance range just two weeks ago before the end of the quarter, and today's numbers were much, much better. At the same time, management gave some very bullish qualitative guidance for the current quarter. Like I said at the top, the hedge fund playbook says you need to sell stocks like Nucor at this point in the business cycle. But with so much federal infrastructure spending about to hit and the possibility of the Fed engineering a soft landing and so many really smart acquisitions, I want to stick with this one. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Leon Topalian. He's the chairman and CEO of Nucor. Get a better read of the quarter. Leon, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me today. Well, I've got to tell you, the investments that you've made in the future, in the future, last year, when everyone told me that you'd be lucky if you earned, say, 8 to $10 in 2023, are already paying off. Can you tell me, can you tell me about adding capability, not capacity? Yeah, absolutely. Jim, our team is firing on all cylinders. And what you're seeing today is the culmination of a group of 31,000 like-minded people executing at a very high level, generated over $40 billion in revenue, uh, $11.5 billion in EBITDA, over $7.5 billion in net earnings, and sitting on $5 billion worth of cash. And all of that, Jim, to say, and you know this, that um, you know we share our profits back with our team in profit sharing, and that check this year for what our team produced last year will approach $1 billion that will return back to our team below the officer level. So I couldn't be more proud of how they're executing. But the acquisition front, as you just mentioned, is uh, going incredibly well. CHI, which was the largest acquisition in our history, which we acquired uh, and closed on last summer, uh, expectations were for, at that time, about $230 million of EBITDA at about a 13x multiple, uh, finished the year at over $320 million of EBITDA, bringing that um, incremental EBITDA multiple down to about nine. And so they've done an incredible job. It's been a seamless integration into Nucor and again, positions us for higher highs and continued uh, growth as we move forward. Okay, so Leon, I think that there are people who have heard that steel prices went down, actually down significantly. So they would presume that a company like Nucor, the largest, has no choice but to follow that down and, and not do nearly as well. But instead, you even gave mid-December guidance and you crushed that guidance. Can you explain to people at home how the price of steel going down does not necessarily correlate with how Nucor does? Yeah, absolutely. If you think about Nucor as the safest, cleanest, most diversified um, producer in the Western Hemisphere, we're able to, you know, depending on what market may be down, Jim, other segments are up. So our sheet prices softened in 2022 Uh, Our products divisions earned record performance and record highs. And quite frankly, uh, most of our product segments that we move into and into the market set all-time highs in profitability. And uh, again, we expect some of those trends to continue well into 2023. You mentioned the terrific, uh, let's say, uh, distributions you made to your your workers, which is fantastic. But you're able to turn $3.3 billion to shareholders via dividends and and share repurchases in 2022. I mean, that's about the number that people thought you would earn. There is a tremendous mystery between how you could give out that much and then come in the next year even stronger. So what's in the DNA of Nucor that allows that to happen? Well, it begins with the 31,000 team members that that execute incredibly well. I couldn't be more proud 
to serve them and serve alongside of them. But, Jim, our, our growth strategy, our capital allocation strategy, if we talked about, means that Nucor's position today, not five years away, that we can provide the steels that are required today. Think about the CHIPS Act, and you and I have spoke about this, $55 billion in funding. That translates to about 27 different projects, of which that advanced manufacturing sector is discerning, and they need and want cleaner products. Nucor can provide the solutions for them to meet their objectives and sustainability now, today, and well into the future. And that positions us incredibly well as we think about infrastructure, uh, the IRA, automotive, as well as, again, the CHIPS Act. Well, I'm glad you mentioned IRA and the CHIPS Act. I happen to have the good fortune of being with two of the three largest uh, companies that are going to be the contractors. They'd be the ones that are going to be awarded. Third one's private. They want to talk to me. And I said, where does Nucor fit in? And they said, well, you have to understand, you know, we have to get the contracts and we have to uh, put them out for bid. And then the money just goes to Nucor. <laughs> and, I mean, you both said it. I mean, it seems to me that all of the spending for infrastructure, for bridges, for uh, for tunnels, for the, the big plants in Ohio, all I keep hearing is, is that this is coming Nucor's way. Can you even handle all the businesses coming? Yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. We are. Uh, we couldn't be more excited. Our team's ready. We're well positioned. We're well funded. We're well structured. And again, the most capable manufacturing army assembled anywhere in the world to meet the needs. And again, the capabilities, Jim, we're not about growing. We don't care about size in terms of capacity. We're providing a differentiated value proposition. And again, the, the demand today from our customers is to meet their you know incredible needs in terms of uh, safe steels, um, sustainable steels, and delivered on time and in the right quality. And we're, again, able to do all of that today. Do you think people know you're the largest recycler in the country? I'm sorry, Jim, what was that? That you're the largest recycler in our country. We, we are the largest recycler in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, we are. And have been for a long time, you know, as the green movement and the E part of ESG has come to fruition really over the last few years, Nucor has been the largest recycler going back for a very long time. And again, we're not staying where we're at. So while others are investing hundreds of millions or billions to get to where Nucor is at today, in five and 10 years, we're not going to be where we're at. We're going to continue to accelerate that growth and driving our carbon footprint from 0.4 tons of CO2 per ton of steel down to next to zero. And again, today we can provide net zero steels. In 2023, we expect that to be pushing a million tons of net zero steels into places in the you know automotive sector, in the um, HVAC sector, and the advanced manufacturing sector. Well, look, I think that, uh, that the numbers are going to be gigantic for this year, but even bigger, according to my sources, and certainly not disagree with it, in 2024. I want to thank Leon Tabalian. Leon's the chair, president, and CEO of Nucor. Great to see you on the show again. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you having me. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, is it time to put the spice on ice? McCormick joins the show after an earnings report that just didn't have the kick. Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. 
Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. do with the stock of McCormick, the big maker of spices, seasonings, and hot sauce. This company has been struggling for a bit now, and things have only gotten a little worse. Packaged food stocks went out of style. You know that. McCormick's problem, they had to raise prices to offset higher costs, like many other companies that we've had on the show. But some people think that it may have driven away customers. We've got to find out if that's true. I need to know more about that. Now, this morning, they did report weaker than expected sales, down 2% year-over-year, 10-cent earnings missed off an 83-cent basis. Now, there are many different reasons why that happened. Not only is their consumer division slowing, but again, i got to find out more about that, but their service division is a lot less profitable than maybe it should have been. Worse, their full-year earnings forecast came in a little below consensus. That's why the stock did indeed tumble 5.8% today. So what's it going to take to turn this story around? Let's take a closer look with Lawrence Kirstius. He's the chairman and CEO of Cormac. Learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Kirstius, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's great to be here, and it's great to be on your set in person. Well, it sure is, because we've got to do some talking about the future. We could dissect what happened in China. Everybody knows China is a tough place to do business. We could talk about what's happening, with, say, with a, with a strong dollar. I want to talk about these brands and how they are not as elastic as people think. Give us a view about why you're so confident about the future. Is it because of the product or because some strange one-time things happened in the past? Jim, for 2023, I want to be clear. The underlying trends that drove our business in the past are still fully intact. Consumers want great flavors. There's an ever-growing demand for flavor. The the second thing is consumers want to cook more at home. It's been a long-term trend. Cooking at home was up before the pandemic, through the pandemic, and it continues to be up today as people are facing tougher economic times. And, and And people love cooking at home. Um, It's been an outlet for creativity. It's helped them bring families together. Um, You know, these are all long-term trends that are really supportive of our business. Are are there people who, because things have gotten a little bit tougher for individuals, uh, who are buying the lesser uh, known brands? Because I've always felt when I go, I buy McCormick or I could buy a a house brand that happens to also be McCormick. (laughs) You know, um, know, a lot of uh, the big brands have had trouble uh, with supply through the pandemic. Wherever we've been able to keep supply solid, We've, our, our business has grown, and we've grown market share. Okay, well, this um, and, is and the consumers point. want value. Consumers are right. looking for value right now. Um, value doesn't necessarily mean uh, the lowest prices. So bigger sizes, um, you know, in many cases, our products are part of the solution for the consumer's overall grocery basket inflation. It costs pennies to make a meal taste great. It's a great way to stretch, say, hamburger into tacos to make a, a meal for a fa- whole family. We've also, through our innovation, been able to introduce you know, some great new products like our Lowry's opening price point uh, uh, spices that fill the price gap between our Red Cap brand and, um, and store brands. And what we're seeing with this one as we've launched it is consumers aren't trading down. Consumers are trading up from private label okay. to the brand. Consumers want the, the emotional lift and, and the quality of the brand. Well, then why was so much of the discussion today 
about service levels and what's going on outside of the home. Because I don't think, I think there's supply chain issues there, but there was a lot of one-time service. But this is not one-time. That's, that, that's exactly right. This demand is not one-time. No. This is, this is sustained. And you know, there were a lot of challenges on service as we went through the whole pandemic and even through last year. Uh, but, but our service levels to our customers is, are pretty close to pre-pandemic levels now. I mean, we're, we're over the hump on, on all of that stuff. Um, you know, there, there are a few minor issues here and there, but, 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 but services uh, is looking good. I think that was part of the discussion that was on the call, Jim. Well, got know, caught. The discussion got caught on that. It did get caught on that. You know, our service levels actually got pretty good in the fourth quarter of last year, and we restocked retailers. Um, and that inventory, lapping that restocking of the retailers is what made the fourth quarter look weaker maybe than it actually was. Excellent. The real consumption, what went, what went through the scanner that consumers were actually buying, it was actually the strongest consumption quarter of the year. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. I also wanted to talk about when I go to the store, I don't just see the French's yellow that I'm so used to. I, have, I, I bought one that looks a lot like Gould's, but tastes better the other day. But you've got many different ones, which we all like because mustard doesn't have any calories. Um, Cholulu, I've, you know, I know from my restaurant, I've always felt if you could extend the brand, well, you're extending the brand. There are remarkable things happening uh, in just the regular spice aisle. I think that perhaps people didn't talk enough about what's proprietary. Yeah, and there's a lot of variety out there, Jim. You know, I'm not surprised that you saw a lot of varieties of mustard. I mean, everybody knows if you go in a store, you're going to see uh, um, you, know, you know, dozens of varieties of hot sauce, but there are really only a few brands that actually matter. You know, French's number one mustard in, in, in the U.S. has been on allocation through the whole pandemic because we couldn't get enough packages to keep up with the demand. We finally got caught up with it. We took it off of allocation in the fourth quarter. Just by being off of allocation, we gained almost full two share points of market share. All right, so why didn't anyone talk about that today, Lawrence? Because I know, bet you that's the case for your, for your hot sauce, which also was hard to get. Again, there's supply chain issues. But this is the fundament of the new McCormick. Uh, you know, and this is what gives us confidence in the outlook going forward. You know, the consumer demand is there. It's the same thing on the other side of our business. If you look at our flavor solutions business, our food service business has been a rock star uh, through the year. We have gained a ton of market share. You know, um, it, you know the, 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 the flavor part where we supply right. flavors to our, C, our other CPG companies, again, has really flown. And this is on everybody's table, and it wasn't? That's on everybody's table at home, and it's honestly, Jim, harder and harder to find a restaurant that doesn't have this I agree. Well, table. look, so I'm going to... I'm going to look at it like this, Lawrence. The economy, there are a lot of people who want the so-called cyclicals. They want big growth. We have a steel company on tonight. They love that. There's a lot of people who are just hung up on technology. We believe, and I do for my travel trust, in a diversified portfolio that has to own different, th- really high-quality companies that can do well over time. And that's what McCormick is. And I wish the analysts had, I'm look. Regular people at home are not focused on what the analysts did. But I felt that a lot of the good things that happened were buried within certain issues that they are worried about that I believe are going to be straightened out in 2023. And that's because I have confidence in you and what you said at the very beginning. And I'm sticking with you, and I'm sticking with McCormick. I appreciate that, Jim. Thank you very much. Not a problem. That's Lawrence Curtis. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of McCormick. You know these brands. You know how I feel about brands. People don't trade down out of great brands. What they do is they stock and make more at home 
with the great brands. Stay with Craig. Coming up, amid job cuts and an industry slowdown, SAP is issued a miss. What does this quarter mean for the stock? Find out next. We spent a lot of time here wringing our hands about the enterprise software slowdown. But not all enterprise software companies are created equal. Some of them are holding up a lot better than others. Take SAP, the gigantic German software company that specializes in what's known as enterprise resource planning, ERP. This stock actually bottomed in late September. Since then, it has run from $79 to $114. Now, earlier this morning, SAP reported what I guess is, you could say, a mixed quarter with better than expected revenue, but a seemingly big earnings miss. That shortfall was entirely tax-related. When you look at their operating income, it was solidly higher than anticipated, and that's what matters. Possibly because the stock had already run so much going into the quarter, it sold off a bit today, down nearly 2%. But it's clear SAP isn't seeing the same struggles as the rest of the industry. I really like this company and the power it has globally with so many different kinds of enterprises, all walks of life. Earlier today, we got a chance to find out how they've managed to buck the trend when we spoke to Christian Klein. He's the CEO of SAP. I hope you like it as much as I do. Take a look. Christian. It is great to have you on the show. And given the fact that it's the first time, I would absolutely love for you to describe to people how integral you are to so many companies around the world. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Why didn't you invite me earlier? So because I'm, because I'm, not, I'm an idiot. Your company is so important. <laughs> no. no, but it no, drives me no, crazy. No, no. no there's, I don't think that there's a company in the world that wouldn't think of you when they're trying to do some sort of reorganization or get better. And you guys are behind so much. 100% right, Jim. Actually, I would bet that 99% of your customers in the show are also my customers, SAP customers. No, actually, seriously spoken, I mean, 400,000 customers, one SAP in core finance, in core supply chain, in core manufacturing, HR, procurement. And yeah, SAP is more relevant than ever when it comes to business transformation. We talk a lot about resilient supply chains. And it's also about moving all of these enterprises into sustainability and help them to, you know, have transparency around ESG and act. And uh, this is what SAP is about. Okay, so let me ask you, you're a big company. You're you're, uh, Porsche, you're BMW, whatever. Now, those are European companies. They would know you and they would know to turn to SAP. But how does, say, the NBA know to go to to SAP? Also, the NBA knows us really well. The NFL knows us really well. The Eagles know us very well. We also, by the way, are a proud sponsor of the 49ers. And even more important, they are using our software. But you guys are like Germans, okay? And now everybody does love you. I checked around. But I'm just saying that it is so interesting. We very rarely find huge uh, European companies that are behind the scenes doing so much in our country. And I just want people to understand that there's a lot of things that no one else seems to know how to do but you. Yes, you know, indeed. And uh, look, uh, the U.S., the United States is our biggest market. And uh, just today, we also announced a strategic partnership, for example, with Lockheed Martin. So they want to further automate manufacturing. They need a resilient supply chain. They need to make faster and smarter decisions. And this is where we are helping customers around the world. All right, so let's go over there. Jim Takelet's a friend of the show. 
He's a rather incredible manager. We knew him when he was at American Tower. You go to a company like Lockheed Martin, it's got big helicopter business, it's got air, uh, jet business. Does he say, you know what, I've got to figure out how to make this company more streamlined. I don't want my supply chain to be a problem. When he calls you, and I'm sure he calls you, it, what does mm-hmm. he say and what do you offer? Uh, it feels like you are part of this call and because he's well, exactly your co- I've always wanted your company on. I think you're a remarkable <laughs> company and there are many people yeah. who cannot make a move without you. And I want people to understand that you are what I regard as indispensable. And, and this is spot on. And look, also coming you know, out of Davos, the World Economic Forum, there were three pressing needs. What all companies have in common, all CEOs. First, how can I transform my company? Take, you know, utilities. How can I become a green hydrogen provider? Or second, resilient supply chain. I need to sustain my growth, but my supply chain is disrupted. SAP can help to connect me with all of my suppliers. And third, I have to take care. I have to act on sustainability. And SAP has the data, the ESG data, not only for my company, but we also connect again your suppliers to also measure scope suite. Well, okay, so when I look at, uh, there's two parts that I knew you as. One is that, let's say you acquire a lot of companies. You don't have any idea how they all work, the accounting business. You go to SAP. But I'm far more more excited these days about what you're doing in the cloud. But they're both integral to what your company does. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, oftentimes, yeah, customers start with finance. That's also how SAP got started. But then they are moving, hey, when you're running finance with SAP, why not run my payroll with SAP? And when I run payroll, why not also having all my employee services with SAP? And when I do that, I run all my logistics with SAP. And this is how we are expanding our footprint. And on our platform, we are running the world's largest companies and we are running the whole value chain oftentimes. Oftentimes they are really betting on SAP. And now, Jim, very important, we have a huge ecosystem of 20,000 partners because this is really a joint transformation. And we are also enhancing the value of our portfolio also with partners who are building on our platform new innovations. All right, speaking of your portfolio, you also announced a restructuring, a streamlining, some would say. Uh, What was the point of that? And I know that there were people who... um, you let go. And I'm trying to figure out whether that was anything to do with a weaker economy or just because you want a stronger SAP. I mean, first, when, when, when we reported earnings today, we have a booming cloud business. Our current cloud backlog is now at 12 billion, growing 24%. We are giving a strong guidance for next year. We want to grow our cloud business by another 25%. So the business is in a really good shape. So why restructuring? Because we are winning in our core portfolio. We are winning in ERP, we are winning in supply chain. And there are other areas of portfolio where we say, hey, let's rather shift and lift and shift our investments to this core to further expand our market share, to further increase the competitiveness of SAP to make sure that not only in 2023, but also in the years ahead, we see super high growth in the cloud. Okay, so is uh, Qualtrics part of the reorganization? They're friends of the show. We've had them on a number of times. We think their company is great. Maybe it just didn't fit in with the core portfolio, and that's why you're uh, willing to look at at selling the rest of it? Yeah, look, uh, Sick and Wine, they are running a great company, and Qualtrics is a great product. We have a great partnership. I mean, since the acquisition of Qualtrics, we tripled their sales. Right. But uh, since the IPO of Qualtrics, actually the three of us also figured out, hey, 
maybe there is a potential sale of you know SAP selling its shares in Qualtrics because what we are doing today we can also continue to do while we can significantly enhance the value for our shareholders, both on the Qualtrics and the SAP side. And this is why we are moving into this direction. Well, it makes a ton of sense. You've done an amazing job. I am honored to have you on the show. And I hope you'll come back because you just are a very important, you, you work at a very important company and you completely understand American business as well as business around the world. That's Christian Klein. He's the CEO of SAP. First time on the show. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks for having me, Jim. Thank you. Stay with me. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round, next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. Let's start with, let's start with HB. And he's from Texas. HB. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, HB. What's happening? Hey, my little girl, Cece, loves to watch your show. She says hi. And uh, we're, we're looking at. I love Cece's. <laughs> Thank you. We're looking at uh, the Southern Company. The ticker is SO. Well, you know what? I like the fact that Southern seems to de-risk its nuclear situation. It gives you a 4% yield. I'm going to bless the idea and reinvest those dividends. Next, we're going to go to Jim. Oh, in Pennsylvania, like me, Jim. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Eagles. Don't give up the ship in Erie, and you're my long-term investment captain. Thanks there for your wonderful thoughts. Aye, aye. Confusing world. U.S. Okay. strategic rare stock Mountain Pass up right, 21%. MP, Mountain Pass is one of the few SPACs that I've ever liked because like if you go listen to Elon Musk on his conference call last night, he just says, listen, these, it's, the sky's the limit for the metals that have to go into cars. These guys are rare metals. We want to get them out of China. They're doing that. I say thumbs up. <laughs> MP Materials. Now we're going to go to Keith in Georgia. Keith. Jimmy Chill, how are you doing? The Chill Man is in the house. What's happening with you? I'm doing fine. Listen, real quick, i got to thank you for your call. It's been about a year now when you said to basically buy really good value stocks, and that saved me a ton of money. So I appreciate that. Oh, excellent. Um, excellent. The way, the way you express it, Buffett couldn't say it, said it better himself. Listen, um, so I know you like the oil field services sector. Oh, uh, do I ever. Ahead of earnings, I bought what I think is an overlooked stock in the sector, RPCs, ticker symbol R-E-S. Um, they blew it out of the water, uh, 12% gain in one day. I took a little off the table because that's what you do. But they doubled their exactly. dividend, gave great, gave great guidance, um, is, and it looks like it's cheap on a forward basis. Still. I want you to hold it. We, had same, we exhibited the same problem at Halliburton, which we own for the Travel Trust. And we told people who are subscribers and members of the investing club of CNBC that it is frustrating. We had the same thing happen with you. Same thing. But you know what? Longer term, you and I are going to make a lot of money. I'm mine for charity. Stick with the stock. How about we go to David in Pennsylvania? David. My show, how are we doing? Oh, man, I'm doing fine. How about you? 
Not bad. Not bad. It's been a tough year, though, you know? <laughs> well, it's just beginning. I mean, we don't know yet. Yeah, I know. I'm talking about the last 12 or 13 months. But anyway, hopefully oh, things are... Oh, my God. No, it's start. been a nightmare. I can't believe I started an investing club in the worst market since 20, 2008. But we are strong. What's up? Uh, Marvell Tech. All right. Marvell is a great company. The problem with Marvell is, again, it's kind of caught up with the... With, with, with high-performance computing and much less with PCs, much less with gaming, but it gets lumped in. So I have to tell you, I think you don't want to buy it till it reports. After it reports, we're going to take a solid look at it. It is run by a guy named Matt Murphy, who is so smart and so hard-charging that if you do own it now, you'll do just fine. How about we go to Joe in New York? Joe! Oh, Baba Booyah, Jimmy. How are you doing? Familial Booyah. Haven't had one That's in ages. Son. Good to have one. What's That's happening? That's my son, Danny and David. Uh, Jimmy, I missed the EV Chinese LI, you think? Well, listen, I listen to Elon Musk uh, on the conference call, and he likes the Chinese automakers. Who am I to go against the smartest man in the world? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Don't be misled by all the Silicon Valley layoffs. We still have a labor shortage in the country, a big one. This morning we learned that Chipotle is trying to hire 15,000 people for burrito season, putting aside that I've actually never heard of burrito season, I can tell you that they'll have a hard time finding those 15,000 people because the white-collar workers being laid off right now are unlikely to take those jobs. Keep in mind, the only mass layoffs we're seeing are in tech, specifically enterprise software or digital media firms like Salesforce, Meta, or Google. And even if they were interested in working at Chipotle for burrito season, they're getting such generous severance packages from their former firms, they definitely don't need a seasonal job. They got enough to coast on for a long time. If they're smart, that's exactly what they'll do, because it gives them time to canvas all the outfits that they might really want to work for. For example, Raytheon's been on a hiring binge for several years, trying to get as many engineers as they can. So far, they've been able to recruit 20,000, but they need thousands more. In the end, I bet Chipotle has has to hire from the same service sector pool as other restaurants and retailers. And that's where the sticky wage inflation really does come in. Because when workers can job hop, and they sure can, they have more bargaining power, which translates into higher wages. They can then spend that money on all sorts of stuff, which pushes up the price of the goods and services you see in the consumer price index that the Fed's so worried about. If you're running the Federal Reserve, part of your job is to maintain price stability, which means you have to break this wage price spiral to beat inflation. But it's hard to see how the Fed can crush wage inflation unless they take interest rates so high that things like Chipotle's burrito season doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I have no idea how high rates have to be to cancel burrito season, but it's much higher than they are now, and I sure hope it doesn't happen. Yes, the Fed's making real progress in the war against inflation outside of wages. They're winning in housing. KB Home, and by the way, D.R. Horton recently told us they're seeing some weakness. This morning, Sherwin Williams, the paint company, reported a truly punishing quarter, talking about a challenging demand environment in 2023. <laughs> 
the same time, Dow Chemical reported weak results. They are laying some people off, although most of those positions are in Europe, where sky-high energy prices made it hard to be a chemical company. So what is the Fed going to do? I don't think they'll want to cancel burrito season, but I do think they'll raise rates until enterprises of all kinds won't want to expand, and that's the key word, expand their business unless there's an immediate return and few initiatives do that. The rate hikes help the, the economy hold its breath a bit and catch up. That's why I'm actually not against them if they are prudent and spaced out. Some projects are never going to get canceled, like Eli Lilly spending $450 million to expand its facilities in North Carolina so it can ramp up production for its diabetes drug that will likely get FDA approval as a weight loss treatment sometime soon. A wonder drug. But if there's no quick payoff, I think these plans get shelved once rates are too high. But maybe the Fed stops before they completely crush wage inflation because it's just too hard, given that we simply don't have enough people in the country and they can't create them. That's both a fortunate and unfortunate thing. On the one hand, anyone in America will be able to find a job, and that's fantastic. And without much more immigration, those jobs will have better pay and better wage conditions. The working conditions will be terrific. The downside is everything also happens to get more expensive, and those with no job hop will never be able to keep pace. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.